the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Radio. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Tuesday morning. We're so glad to have you with us today. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Cuervo and Damien Colado. Hey, guys. Good, good morning. morning. <laughs> good good morning. morning. Did you hear that little giggle when she said Damien? We were cracking jokes before the show. <laughs> Damien was the last works. joke. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> He's got to have the last word, the last joke. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <Not> always. <laughs> hey, today is the feast of St. Cecilia, so maybe Damien will have a little song for us later. But let's start with prayer. <laughs> In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. A God who gladdened us each year with the feast day of your handmaid, St. Cecilia, grant we pray that what has been devoutly handed down concerning her way offer us examples to imitate and proclaim the wonders worked in his servants by Christ your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, St. Cecilia, pray for us. Yep. Pray for us. We have a great show for you today. In about six minutes, Thomas Moran joins us. He's the head of Good Shepherd School in New Orleans, and he's going to be telling us about their upcoming Oscars gala. So stay with us. In 18 minutes, Steve Ray joins us. Always looking forward to Steve Ray. He always has information and stuff about our faith and church that uh, I always choose to reflect on after because it's new information every single time. (laughs) So stay with us as we uh, listen to Steve. He's actually going to be talking about the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which we celebrated yesterday, but uh, he's going to be talking about it today. So it's it's never too late to talk about Our Lady and always a, a wonderful time to discuss it. So, And in 35 minutes, Father Tim Grimes joins us. He's a parochial vicar over at Sacred Heart in Baton Rouge. He's going to be telling us about his vocation story. And in 48 minutes, Dr. Jim Papandrea joins us to talk about his book called Reading Scripture Like the Early Church. Seven Insights from the Church Fathers to Help You Understand the Bible. So these are great Christmas gifts. Looking forward to speaking with Dr. Jim. And real quick, Damien, I want to wish my mom a happy birthday today. Oh, great. And happy, happy birthday, birthday, Mom. She listens every morning. She never misses a show. Mm-hmm. And I love you, and I can't wait to see you tomorrow. So my mom's oh, my nice. best friend. <laughs> Feliz cumpleaños, Mama. Yes, Feliz there cumpleaños. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what Damien said. Yeah, you go. Uh, Actually, Gabby, because I think she said it right. The little bit of Spanish that I know, and I'm not even sure I pronounced things right that way. But uh, anyway, 
One thing that is for sure, it's going to be cloudy today, folks, like we haven't had that for a while, right? (laughs) Hints of sunshine off and on throughout the day. That's the good news. And it's also going to warm up. High today, 64. Low tonight should be around 48, so a little warmer. And the winds aren't as bad either. They're blowing at about five miles an hour, so that's good. Tomorrow, that's going to be great. We are going to be very comfortable tomorrow because the high is expected to be about 74. And uh, you better enjoy it because uh, even though we don't have any rain expected for tomorrow, we have a 70% chance of rain for Thanksgiving Day and also Black Friday, is it, after Thanksgiving? Yeah. 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 So you shoppers beware uh, of the rain that's coming our way for the holiday. Um, Temperatures, though, will not change much. They'll stay in the 70s. So just be expecting that type of rain uh, and cloudiness uh, for Thursday and Friday. Keep an umbrella and a poncho or whatever you like to carry with you. Keep you from getting wet. Temperatures in and around the area. Gulfport, Biloxi is the warm spot, 51. Uh, elsewhere, Mandeville, 47. Home of Thibodeau and New Orleans, 49. Baton Rouge is 45. Good Tuesday morning to you. I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel is taken from Luke chapter 21. While some people were speaking about how the temple was adorned with costly stones and votive offerings, Jesus said, All that you see here, the days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. Then they asked him, Teacher, when will this happen, and what sign will there be when all these things are about to happen? He answered, See that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has come. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for such things must happen first, but it will not immediately be the end. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be powerful earthquakes, famines, and plagues from place to place, and awesome sights and mighty signs will come from the sky. Thank you, Father Chris Decker, for today's gospel. It's 8 past the hour on Wake Up. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Community Radio. Our first guest today is Thomas Moran. He's the head of Good Shepherd School in New Orleans. And today he joins us to talk about their upcoming gala called Night at the Oscars. That sounds so much fun. Good morning, Thomas. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, Good morning, Gabby. We appreciate it. It's an exciting time. It's um, hard to believe that. Good Shepherd started in 2001 as Father Thompson's dream, and 21 years later, we're still here celebrating his his mission, his vision, and all the success. And uh, what better way than to have a, a party with the whole community gathered together? It's the, the beauty of Good Shepherd is since day one, it has been totally funded by the generosity of others. And I always say that Good Shepherd is the community school, so we're going to celebrate the community mm-hmm. in grand fashion at the cannery on December 1st. That's amazing. Tell us about the uniqueness of Good Shepherd School. It, it's for, started with families of the service industry, a chance for them to have their children break the cycle of generational financial poverty by giving them opportunity and access to a, a top quality faith-based education, Catholic school, where everything is taken care of uh, and parents can go to work, drop their children off, and pick them up when they're done. We do an extended school day. Uh, we do a six-week summer program, and we give them everything we need to succeed. And 
to think we've got 219 graduates now from the the origins of 30 young kids started on Barone Street in kindergarten and first grade, and, and now it's 219 graduates, 265 kids in, enrolled in school now. It's the, the mission and the dream keep growing every day. So um, we're, we're charged with making this go, and it's um, – We've got to we've got to raise funds to make it go. We've, we've got to raise about a million five every year after we get our funding uh, from the state voucher program. So, it's celebrations like Night at the Stars uh, on December first that that help us and um, and people can purchase tickets and sponsorships at uh, on our website uh, www.thegoodshepherdschool.org. So, exciting times. Absolutely. Uh, tell us one of the ways uh, that you have also highlighted your school, because in the past we've talked about some wonderful alumni spotlights. Do you have any today that you can tell us about? We've got 219 incredible stories, and we're going to honor two of those at the gala who just recently graduated from college. Uh, they actually finished the same year at the Good Shepherd School. Uh, Johnny Williams left us and went to Jesuit High School. And then he went on to LSU, and he just graduated in business. He's working in marketing and real estate in the Baton Rouge area. And then Paris Vincent uh, finished at Good Shepherd and continued high school at Warren Easton. And she just graduated from Spelman College with a major in English. She is actually working as an associate producer. She just started a week or two ago at WWL Morning Show. So wow. uh, those students will be there representing all of our graduates and the successes um, that they can achieve and their parents will be there. Uh, so, and we've got the first 13 college graduates are up on our college graduate wall on campus. We've got seven more that just graduated that we'll be adding. So whenever our students finish, they go up forever on a college graduate wall for every current student in the building to see and aspire to become, to know this can be me. And it's, it's, it's an incredible sight to see that when you walk down the stairwell and, you walk right into the college graduate wall. So awesome. we're proud of our graduates wow. and so proud of uh, what they've done and what they've been able to achieve. Absolutely. You can certainly tell as well. One more time, Thomas, tell us when the gala is and how we can get our tickets. Thursday, December 1st at the cannery. Um, the entertainment will be by the after party man, food by Toulouse Gourmet. Uh, you can go to www.thegoodshepherdschool.org. Um, Individual tickets for the gala are $125. Gala and patron party, 250 Sponsorship levels start at $700. Go all the way up to $10,000. Um, Hancock Whitney Angel Wing Foundations are our two lead sponsors. So we certainly appreciate all the different sponsors who have backed our mission and made sure that Father Thompson's dream comes alive. So allowing us to continue to grow the mission um, on Agriculture Street, and then we'll also be going to the seventh, uh, ninth ward next year and Desire, uh, Florida community. So exciting times for Father Thompson's mission. Wow. Thank you so much, Thomas, for joining us. We always look forward to talking with you. Uh, Thomas Moran, head of the Good Shepherd School, definitely check out the information for their Oscars gala coming up December 1st. Thomas, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Gabby, and, and thanks. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. 
at the radio station in the community. Have a blessed one. Thank you. You too. Happy you Thanksgiving too. you. Alicia, speaking of Thanksgiving, St. Vincent of Paul is looking for some volunteers are on th- Thanksgiving Day. They're looking for holiday helpers. They are serving from five different locations this year, raising Canes River Center on Thursday, obviously November 24th, Thanksgiving from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Um, and then they're serving at several other places. Of course, St. Vincent de Paul downtown, the McKinley High School Alumni Center, and St. Jared Catholic Church. So you can check that out at svdpbr.org to see how you can help. Uh, what a great thing to do with your family on mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. Uh, go out and serve some meals. They, I can't remember now, and actually I was gone uh, when Michael was on, but he talked about how many uh, meals they serve on oh. Thanksgiving, yeah. which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's all volunteer help. So, uh, yeah. so check that out and see there are some drive through meals there are sit down meals uh, lots of opportunities for those in need in our community to have a wonderful thanksgiving dinner so again svdpbr.org so gabby will put wonderful. that in the live feed right most definitely two wonderful events where you can help the community so so thankful to talk to thomas and thanks so much alicia for that update with St. Vincent of paul for thanksgiving day Steve Ray joins us when we come back from the break. Also, we're going to learn more about our Saint of the Day. It is 15 past the hour on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for November 22nd. Today we celebrate Saint Cecilia. Never mind that little to nothing is known about today's saint. Cecilia is one of the most famous and most popular saints of the early church. She is also one of the most famous of the Roman martyrs, though there is reason to doubt the details surrounding her death. We do have evidence of a late 4th century church named after her, and we do know that her feast was celebrated by the year 545. According to legend, Cecilia was a young Christian of high rank, engaged to a Roman named Valerian. Through her influence, he was converted and later martyred along with his brother. Cecilia was thought to have met the same fate. Legend has it that after being struck three times on the neck with a sword, she lived for three days and asked the Pope to convert her home into a church. Since the time of the Renaissance, Cecilia has usually been portrayed in art with a viola or a small organ. The patron saint of musicians, she has become a symbol of the church's conviction that good music is an integral part of the liturgy. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Good morning. It's 19 minutes after the hour. You're listening to Wake Up on Catholic Community Radio. I'm Alicia Quibita with Damian Collado and Gabby Smith. We're joined this morning by our friend Steve Ray. He is a Catholic convert, pilgrimage leader, author. I think the list goes on and on, but his segment isn't that long. So good morning, Steve. <laughs> Good morning. Glad to be with you again this morning. We're so happy to have you with us. And we're talking about yesterday's feast, the the, uh, presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Although I understand you prefer to call it uh, the title that it is in the East. So let's start off by talking about that. 
I do like that title, The Entry of the Most Holy Theotokos into the Temple. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's just <laughs> Mary, when she's a little girl, three years old, very unusual thing happens. Her mother and father dedicate her to the temple, and it must have been a very distressing thing for a mother at three years old to take mm-hmm. her daughter and give her to the temple and say goodbye. I mean, we, we experienced that a little bit when a daughter goes off to the convent, or I remember when my daughter went off to Steubenville University. Yes. Uh, we had to say goodbye. It's, uh, you know, you're used to them being around. But the whole story begins with the, a, a couple named Joachim and Anna who could not have children, and they prayed to God, and he went out in the desert, and she was in the garden, and she looked up at the trees and saw birds laying their, their eggs and having baby birds, and she says, Lord, why do you give the, babies, the birds babies but not me? Mm-hmm. And her husband's out in the desert praying, and the angel came to him and said, this time you'll have a, next year you'll have a baby. Mm-hmm. And so th- this promise came. Now, this is not in the Bible. This mm-hmm. is interesting. It's not anywhere mentioned in the Bible, the birth of the Blessed Virgin Mary or her presentation, and yet we have a feast day for it. Mm-hmm. And it comes from a document called, this is a mouthful, the Proto-Evangelium of James. What that means is the first news of James, which was written around the first half of the second century, so very close to biblical times. And it purports to give us more information about Mary and her birth, about the birth of Jesus, about her marriage to Joseph, and subsequently the birth of Jesus. So it's it's a fascinating document. I, I've yes. read it many times, and I love it. But this, this is where we get the name Joachim and Anna, because their name's not in the Bible either. Oh, if you want to know where do you get the name Joachim and Anna, which we celebrate as a feast day in the parents of Mary, it comes from this document that I just mentioned, the first okay. good news of James. And so this is also where we see Mary now being presented. So the story is that Mary was born, and it says that everyone loved her, that she was not, she was not allowed to put her foot on the ground, it says, because, you know, back in those days, there was animals everywhere in Jerusalem, yes. and place like that. It would have been filthy. So it said that they carried her because they knew she was a special baby, mm. and her mother promised to give her as a uh, to the temple. This goes all the way back to Samuel, who was also given to the temple by his mother back in 1 Samuel chapters 1, 2, and 3. And so it's very similar. And they breastfed the babies for three years back then. So she kind of kept that up as long as she could, I think, to keep, to yes. keep the baby at home before she finally had to fulfill her vow. So that's a little bit about what this is. And the entry of the Most Holy Theotokos into the temple. Theotokos is a Greek word means God-bearer or mother of God. So you can read it. This is the day that Mary, at three years old, who was to be the bearer of God, she was presented by her parents into the temple where she lived during her early years. Wow. that, that That's amazing. I, I did not but I haven't read that document. I did not realize that, that that's, that that was the procession or the, that that's how the progression, I mean, um, that Mary was at three years old. That, that seems amazing to me. So it really wasn't so much of a surprise to her, correct? She was always brought up knowing that, that she was here for a purpose. 
Yes, and how much does a three-year-old understand? Right. I mean, I've got 19 grandchildren. Yeah. <laughs> Later today, we're going to have our four-year-old and our two-year-old come over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're starting to catch on to things. But to say to the two-year-old, uh, when you're three, we're going to present you to the temple and you're going to live in the temple. And she would just Google and, you know, make funny sounds. They don't know what that means. <laughs> um, you know, you can just imagine. But the, the story then proceeds that she was put in, in the temple as a very special place to be prepared for the responsibility she was going to have. She would have probably been in the temple until her menstrual cycle started, which would make her then ceremonially unclean because, you know, giving birth to a baby, yes. touching a dead body. There's a lot of things that would make you ceremonially unclean, not sinners right. or really unclean, but in, in regards to the ceremonies of the temple. And then she would have left, I think, at that's the point they would have moved up to Nazareth. And very shortly after that, the angel came and said to her, about 15 years old, Mary, you're going to have a son and so that's kind of the the progression going on but they said that in the in the temple she did things like sewing the um the robes for the priests and and doing all this kind of work and was fed by the angels i think that's uh, you know kind of a very uh, elaborate way to say that she was treated very special and being prepared there in this holy place to become the mother of god it's a great preparation. So when, when we say presented, it's very different than the presentation of Jesus in the yes. temple. Because in, in the law, whenever you had a baby, you had to present the baby to the temple. A boy, 40 days after birth. A girl, 80 days after birth. Mary was not, this didn't happen to Mary. The, the presentation of Mary took place when she was three years old, something very unique and different. All the babies like Jesus at 40 days had to be taken and presented to the temple. They had to do an offering, and they had to pay five shekels, which that's the redeem the firstborn son. So this is very different than what is experienced by Mary. Presentation in the Bible is a technical term for 40 days for a boy, 80 days for a girl. They take you to the temple. You do all of that. Just kind of like going to the to the Secretary of State, you know, taking care of the <laughs> birth certificate and getting all of those things done that, you know, to prove that you have a new child and it's all set and right. This was before God and the civic authority of Jerusalem, the whole way it was set up for them to do. So, but Mary's was much different because she, at three years old, was presented in a different way to live in the temple. So that okay. is a very different thing. Wow. It's exciting so, stuff though, isn't it? It is. It is. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And so, and to know the difference between, cause we know the story of Jesus's presentation into the, uh, in the, at the temple. Um, and so talk about, you talk, talk about the mirroring of the, the story of Mary's presentation and then the old Testament. Yeah, there's, um, they are kind of parallels. You have the, uh, the birth of our lady and the birth of Jesus, those are two births that we celebrate them both. Mm-hmm. And the holy name of Mary and the holy name of Jesus, she was given the name Mary, and he, Jesus was given that name. She is both very uh, crucial to the whole story of salvation. And then 
presentation of Jesus was done one way and a presentation of Mary done another, but they really reflect each other. They, And even when Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to present him, it says for their cleansing, Jesus and Mary together, there's always a very close association of Jesus and Mary. And even when Mary took Jesus, it said their presentation. So it's like Mary and Jesus together, which is an unusual way of saying okay. it. Normally they would just say his presentation, but it says their presentation and cleansing. So um, this is a, a very interesting story because it's something that is not in the Bible, and yet the Catholic Church has always respected and trusted tradition mm -hmm. and the early tradition of the Church. And the, and the fathers mm -hmm. of the Church and the bishops, they very carefully analyze these things, yes. and the Holy Spirit does to what was true tradition and what was legend, so to speak. And um, so here we have a feast day of the presentation of the Virgin Mary, the Theotokos, into the temple. And, uh, and it really reflects, it's a mirror image, like I said earlier, of the book of Samuel. If you read First mm -hmm. Samuel chapter 1, Hannah and Eliakim, if I think that's his name, um, yes. could not have children. And she was kept from coming into the temple. They told her, you can't come into the temple because you don't have children. And if you don't have children, that must mean that God's not happy with you. Right. And therefore, we're not happy with you, so don't come to the temple anymore. That's mm -hmm. very cruel. Mm -hmm. It was viewed back in the old days, if you didn't have a child, it had something to do with God. Sarah, probably Abraham's wife, had the same kind of a, they bear a stigma by not having children. Uh. But Hannah who is also, that's the word for Anna, Hannah and Anna, that's mm -hmm. his name actually. She prays and God gives her a son, and in the third year she also presents him to the temple. So it's a very a parallel. And now also if you think about this, when Mary found out she was going to give birth to Jesus, she sang the Magnificat at yes. the visitation, My soul doth magnify the Lord. Well, Mary copied another Magnificat, which shows that she knew her Bible, because mm -hmm. Hannah in First Samuel chapter two sang a Magnificat, a song to God in praise and thanksgiving for her son. John Paul II said that Mary's Magnificat is the Magnificat of the New Testament, which is based upon Hannah's Magnificat of the Old Testament, and they're parallel Magnificats. It's fun to read them oh, wow. and side by side and and compare the two. And it's obviously Mary knew her Bible and knew what Hannah had sung, and she adapted it to her own situation. So Beautiful. there's a very much a mirror image between Hannah and the birth of Mary. That is beautiful. Well, Steve Ray, Catholic convert and pilgrimage leader. I know you just returned from the Holy Land, and I bet you have a trip. I think you take families to the Holy Land for Christmas. We so, do. Over Christmas, we always have what we call the Christmas Family Holy Land pilgrimage. And actually, we have 90 people on this, wow. 90 families. Wow. And they bring their kids. And I would That's say, bring awesome. your children to the Holy Land because it'll make an indelible mark. They'll never leave. The Absolutely. Place. Check Steve out at CatholicConvert.com. Stick around, Father Tim Grimes joins us to talk about his vocation story. It's half past the hour on Wake Up. And a happy Tuesday morning to you. It is 35 after the hour on Wake Up. So glad you could join us. And with us right now, Father Tim Grimes, parochial vicar at Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Baton Rouge. 
here to talk about his vocation story and um, his journey to the priesthood. Good morning, Father. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Good. Uh, doing well. Well, great. Glad to hear it. Okay. So where would you like to begin? We are always intrigued with the uh, journeys that priests uh, have to take in order to get to the priesthood, and yours is somewhat interesting, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. So I'll start my junior year in high school. Um, there was a youth conference over at the the uh, St. Joseph Seminary College at the Benedictine Monastery over there that they hold every year, Abbey Youth Festival. Mm -hmm. And a part of that day, I listened to, or I saw a video called The Fishers of Men. Um, it's a vocations promotion of, uh, video put on by Grassroots Film. And I just remember seeing a priest doing his priestly duties in the video, specifically uh, giving the anointing of the sick to someone who was near death. Um, and that really inspired me to consider the priesthood. Um, but my, uh, I guess my desire to go to LSU for a couple years before I entered the seminary was stronger than uh, my desire to enter the seminary right away. So I did two years at LSU. I, uh, but then I did a couple discernment retreats, and after in during my second year at LSU, I decided to, to enter the seminary. Um, but what I always like to, to talk about in terms of my vocation story is that the day you enter the seminary, you don't complete your discernment. So uh, my discernment continued through my uh, eight years in seminary, and some key scripture passages played a, a role in my coming to discover the, my priestly vocation. Um, one of them, I believe, is from Ephesians. I don't remember the chapter and verse, but it's, it's the passage about how uh, husbands should love your wives as Christ loved the church. And basically what I was on an eight-day retreat, and my spiritual director for that eight-day retreat suggested I actually imagine that the Lord was saying those words to me uh, to show me how much he loved, he loved me um, through those words. And then um, after that, another key scripture passage that played a role in, in my discernment was uh, near the end of the Gospel of John. You may be familiar with it. Um, but basically, Jesus appeared to his disciples on the, uh, on the beach like he did earlier in the Gospels, and he asked St. Peter, uh, Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? And then he asks him two more times, do you love me? And I kind of felt and heard the Lord in the midst of that saying to me, uh, to feed and tend my sheep, because you know how much uh, I love you, you know, do you love me in the same way? Um, of course, what I'm explaining was something that took, developed over multiple years, and what was kind of a, uh, I guess you could say, a confirmation from the Lord. It's tradition that the, uh, the deacon 
the deacons at Notre Dame Seminary in January would take a trip to the Holy Land every year. And a part of that uh, trip, we would go visit the different sites that the Lord was uh, present to. And one of the sites that we went to visit was where where Jesus had breakfast, where Jesus asked Peter, you know, do you love me Mm. three times? Yeah. And I came to realize that it was near one of the, the sites of the miracle of the uh, multiplication. Um, so basically what happened there was I kind of came to realize that the Lord was directly calling me to, to feed the, the people of God with the Eucharist as a priest. Um, and that was, was that in 2017 when you were ordained a deacon? So I made that trip in 2018, and I was ordained a priest a year later in 2019. Wow. Okay. Gotcha. And interestingly enough, did you get support from your family, your friends? I know you, you had some buds in college who also went into the seminary, maybe even ahead of you, right. and you kind of followed, huh? Yeah. So whenever I told my parents for the first time, they told me, uh, you know, whatever you decide to do in life, we're supportive of. Um, I think at first they wanted me to consider, you know, a little bit of college first before I entered the seminary, but they weren't pressuring me into any decisions. They were just loving, supporting parents. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, I did have a few friends who are now priests. Um, uh, priest in Homa Thibodeau I'm good friends with and then a, I think a couple priests in Lafayette were, were at LSU when I was there uh, so there were some guys who went in before me that well, helped me discern as well well that's great yeah now in also I, w- I read where uh, around 2018 the diocese asked you to take a break before actually being ordained as part of your discernment as well, like take a, a year off and examine your, your conscience. So it wasn't really to examine myself. I, I had to, uh, there were some areas of my life I had to grow in. Okay. Um, so I, I was always pretty certain of my call to the priesthood, but there were some areas of human formation that the diocese felt like I needed to grow in a little bit. So they asked me to uh, have an additional year as a deacon in a parish. So I did that in Donaldsonville, Louisiana, with Father Paul Yee, and that was a great blessing for my life. Nice. To be able to be with him for a year. Definitely. And uh, just a little side note, you come from a musical background, your, I believe your mom right. and dad taught at LSU music, and you you play the trombone. I used to. I don't really play it anymore. <laughs> what do you uh, you play really any instruments now? What do you play now, if anything? So I play a little bit of piano. Not really confident enough to do it in public, but <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, I was I just kind of play it by myself. I have a keyboard in my room at the rectory that nice. I play. Well, I'm just wondering if, since you're, you're at Sacred Heart with Father Joshua Johnson, I could just see you two jamming <laughs> on a on a uh, evening or a late afternoon. 
<laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. so <laughs> the, your journey was basically an eight-year journey from 2011 when you, you were getting the call, entering uh, St. Ben's, all the way to today. Right. What has been one right. of the best experiences in the final minute that you can share with us now that you are a priest? Uh, I, to kind of expand on what I talked about uh, during my vocation story, there's been a few powerful moments where I've uh, been able to anoint someone mm. near the mm. end of their life, and mm. that's been really fulfilling for me uh, to be able to minister to someone, to be Jesus to someone as they prepare for their final journey. Um, that's beautiful. You know, it's a difficult moment, of course, but mm-hmm. it's also it's also been very fulfilling for me. Well, God bless you. We are so thankful you're part of the Diocese of Baton Rouge, and we wish you all the best. Thank you for answering the call to Jesus to become a priest. One quick final blessing, if you can. Sure. Lord be with you and with your spirit and may almighty god bless you the father and the son and the holy spirit amen amen father tim grimes thank you again parochial vicar at sacred heart in baton rouge telling us his vocation story and a good one it was and he is a blessed man and we're blessed to have him don't go too far it's 45 after the hour on a tuesday morning on wake up Thanks so much for tuning in to Wake Up This Morning. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibido and Damian Collado. Our next guest is Dr. Jim Papandrea. Today, he joins us to talk about his book called Reading Scripture Like the Early Church, Seven Insights from the Church Fathers to Help You Understand the Bible. Good morning, Dr. Jim. Thank you so much for being with us today. Good morning and a blessed Feast of St. Cecilia to you. Thank you. Happy Feast of St. Cecilia. Thank you so much. Take us through your book. I mean, now I think more than ever, Dr. Jim, we are learning more and more about the Bible, whether it's Bible in a year, uh, in podcast form, so many different ways to take us through uh, the readings that we uh, hold deep into our hearts and that we sometimes maybe open every day. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what we can find in your book. Well, my book approaches uh, Scripture from the perspective of the early church, the early Christians, and the church fathers. And what we have to remember is that it is the church fathers who uh, chose what we might call the table of contents of our Bible. In other words, you know, there's, there's nothing in the Bible to tell us which books should be in the Bible. And so when the church was, uh, was putting together its New Testament, Right? It was the Church Fathers who decided which documents from the early Church would be considered authoritative and inspired. And uh, so why shouldn't we let those same people help us understand and interpret those documents? And so, uh, so the book goes through seven insights from how the Church Fathers read and interpreted Scripture to teach us how to do it. Um, not that we have to always come to the same exact conclusions that they did, but, uh, but to use their methodology is to understand the Scriptures, especially the New Testament, from the perspective of people who lived much closer in time to when it was written and to the original audience. 
Absolutely. And also the books in the Old Testament are different than the New Testament, if we haven't picked that up already. It can be sometimes a little difficult to interpret some of those readings. Um, why is that? And, and how should we go about readings like those? Yeah, well, that is that is exactly the point. In fact, I think, you know, one of the biggest mistakes people make in reading the Bible now is that they read the Old Testament and the New Testament the same way, as if as if they're meant to be read the same. And the uh, the Church Fathers understood that these are two different books. They're both inspired. They're both the Word of God. But, you know, in, in a lot of ways, the, the Old Testament is the Word of God looking ahead in hope of something to come. And the New Testament is the Word of God looking back on, you know, that, that hope being fulfilled in, in Jesus Christ. And so um, there's a lot of ways that I go into in, in the book um, that, that talk about how the Old Testament is meant to be read differently from the New Testament and how we can look at the way the, the Church Fathers did that so that we can understand the right way to interpret uh, the Old Testament versus the New Testament, how we can look at the different genres of literature that are, that are in the Bible and, um, and, you know, and approach them in the right way so that we come away with, uh, you know, with solid interpretation. Dr. Jim, you make such great points. There are so many religions out there that interpret the Bible differently, some literally. How are we as Catholics supposed to interpret these readings and go about uh, looking into uh, what the early Church Fathers have compiled together? Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that, uh, another big mistake that I think a lot of people make um, is that they, they sort of approach the Scriptures as though there can only be one meaning from any given text. And, you know, this is actually something that came up during the Protestant Reformation. Protestants came up with this idea that, well, you know, there's only one meaning from any given text, and if, if, you know, if you have two meanings, one of them's wrong. And actually, you know, the, the, the Church Fathers never looked at the Bible that way. They always understood that most passages of Scripture have layers of meaning. So there's a, there's a literal, or, or what we would more appropriately call a historical layer of meaning, and then there's a, there's a non-literal or, or an allegorical or metaphorical layer of meaning. And, and, you know, some texts have as many as, you know, three or four layers of meaning to them. And, um, and we have to understand that. We have to be able to see that and sort out those meanings. And, um, and so it's not as simple as, you know, do we read it literally or non-literally? It's never that simple. And, um, you know, I love Bishop Barron's comment, you know, when somebody says, do you read the Bible literally? He says, well, do you read a library literally, right? It's, it's full of a lot of different kinds of material, and you have to know how to read each part. Absolutely. What inspired you to write something like this, and where did you get your information? I have a feeling this took you quite a while, and I can just picture you in a big desk with tons of research and, and papers. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it looks. Um, I, I originally wrote another book before this called Reading the Church Fathers, and um, within that, and that's, that's uh, it's more of a textbook, goes uh, more in-depth and has all the footnotes and everything, so I spent years working on that and then just recently revised it and came out with a second edition. Uh, in that book, there's a chapter on the, the canon and the development of the New Testament, and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great to write a, a, a smaller, shorter, easier book 
on that concept to show people what insights we can gain from reading the Church Fathers. And I mean, I guess, you know, for me, I've spent my whole career reading the Church Fathers, and so I know, you know, how they approach Scripture, I know kind of what their consensus is on these things, and I was able to put together this book with these seven insights um, so that, you know, just anyone can now read this book and follow the same kind of methodology as the Church Fathers to, uh, to read Scripture. Who is this book kind of geared towards? Well, it's really for, it's written for anyone to understand. You don't need any kind of, you know, prior knowledge or, or education to understand this. You can completely be st- starting from scratch, um, but it would be helpful to, you know, anyone from the, you know, the lay Catholic who's interested in reading the Bible and understanding it to, um, you know, seminarians even, I think, would uh, would find some, some helpful information in here. So, um, you know, there's there's something in here for everyone, but it's definitely very accessible to anyone. Wonderful. Dr. Jim Papandrea, today he's talking about his book called Reading Scripture Like the Early Church, Seven Insights from the Church Fathers to Help You Understand the Bible. Dr. Jim, where can we pick up our copy? Uh, well, this book comes to us from Sophia Institute Press, and so we can uh, anyone can go to their website, uh, com. I think it is, or it's on Amazon. My Amazon author page is, uh, you can go there at drjimsbooks.com. So just go to drjimsbooks.com. It takes you right to my Amazon author page, and all my books are right there. Great. Thank you so much, Dr. Jim, for joining us. It's always a joy having you, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Oh, same to you. Thank you. It's been a blessing. Absolutely. Oh, man, a wonderful resource we can use to help us uh, navigate the Bible because it can be quite uh, tricky. But we have, you know, Dr. Jim to help us, Jeff Cavins to help us. The list goes on and on. So great Christmas gift, I think. Yes, very much so. And as always, we like to wrap up our show with a prayer and being the feast day of St. Cecilia. We'll offer up a prayer in her intercession in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dear St. Cecilia, one thing we know for certain about you is that you became a heroic martyr in fidelity to your divine bridegroom. We do not know that you were a musician, but we are told that you heard angels sing, inspiring musicians and gladden the hearts of people by filling the air with God's gift of music and reminding them of the divine musician can create all beauty. I'll learn to say that word, dear Lord, one day. Heavenly Father, fill our hearts with the sound of joy and love. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Can't say musician. You I, just I tr- did. Oh, you see? <laughs> Thank you, St. Cecilia. Thank you, Lord. You see how quickly <laughs> see? she Look at that. inspiring. You can't teach it. an old dog a new trick. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the, Thank you the mouth so much doesn't work. For you know? That's okay. That's another round for coffee today. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Have a wonderful Tuesday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Radio.